Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Your host, Brandon, joined as always by Nick and Dan. And as we've been doing a little bit different of a format during this uh break in football unfortunately uh we have um hopefully you're enjoying the smaller content but there's no doubt you're going to be enjoying this week's lot because we've got former chelsea player pundit quiz pub quiz extraordinaire <laughs> pat nevin joining us uh back on the podcast so welcome back pat it's good to be back um it's good to be anywhere just now i think everyone feels that um <laughs> First of all, anyone who's listening or that, uh, keep safe. Hope everything's okay for you. Uh, it is tough times, but you know, we're trying to look in the bright side as much as we possibly can. So it's uh, there's only a bit of good news, sort of vaguely filtering out of the UK at the moment about the football. Um, the possibility that they've been considering uh, maybe playing some game games behind closed doors. That's beginning to filter out a wee bit. It's a wee while away yet, but uh, so there's some good news out there. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, obviously, as time goes on, the more information we get and the better decisions we can make, which is the all we can do at this point. Um, but to kick this one off, I know, Nick, I feel like last time I missed this episode with Pat, the two, last year. Um, but right away afterwards, you guys were a bit miffed at how he stumped you on a few trivia <laughs> questions. And obviously, I listened to Pat on, on the BBC uh, football podcast they have there, so I can... I can understand that. He, you definitely have a knack for trivia. So, Nick, I know you're excited to see if we can kick this off with a little bit of trivia for Pat instead. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see if the pupils can stump Professor Pat here. Um, so I, I listened back to our last two episodes and would encourage everybody to go listen to those because Pat was brilliant on our, on our show. Uh, but he was bringing up trivia questions throughout the entire, what seemed like five and a half hours of the show. And so I went digging around the Premier League website last night, Pat, and, and brought up some questions that I think might be relatively challenging, even for a man of your knowledge. So... Uh, the last time that we, we were on the pod, we talked through through balls and you brought up that David Luiz and Jorginho were kind of by a country mile taking the lead in the Premier League for through balls last year. So I went and looked just specifically at Chelsea this year. Who leads the team in through balls and who is second in the team in through balls? Right. So I've not checked this. So I can only go by what I've seen. All right. So I don't think Jorginho is doing any different. So he's got to be one of the two. <laughs> I'm guessing that, right? So I, I suspect Jorginho is one of the two. The other ones are toughie. It's a real tough one because I mean, through ball can be lots of different things. I mean, to be honest, there are some certain types of cross ball you get from the likes of Rhys James, which could be considered through balls as well. Uh, but I'm going to go, the two I'm going to go for is Mount and Jorginho. And I'm going to go Jorginho first. So you got the first. You got yeah. the first. It is Jorginho still at, at top. And he's he's top by a country mile for yes. Chelsea with 16 through balls. The second might be a bit of a surprise, though, and this is why I brought it up, to stump you. Mateo Kovacic with nine is is second on the team. That's a good call. Actually, it's a really good call. I mean, he's been getting better and better, you know, all season, you know, up until you know, it was a period there, I think, quite a few Chelsea fans were thinking. He was our best player for a good little period of time there. Um, and we've just begun to see the best of him. It's taken him a while to bed in. But I was a big fan last year as well, maybe more than anywhere. So uh, it was great to see him doing it. And he's just a quality player. And he just looks forward all the time, doesn't he? He just wants to look forward all the time. His first movement. You know, lots of players, their first movement is to stop, look, think. Has a turn, move, and go. It makes such a difference that when he does that. And he's got his head up, so... Uh, good to hear. I mean, what's, the, what's the numbers then? So, Jorginho, did you see he was on 16? 16 and then Mateo Kovacic with nine. Nine, yeah. Oh, so, not bad. Yeah, not bad. But I think to your point, when the you know the Bayern Munich match happened in March, which was awful for a lot of reasons, yeah. Mateo was the only guy who looked like he could hang for, for a large period of that game. And I think when he received the ball, he definitely cut through a really good defense. So, that was, uh, I think... A little bit of a stumper for you, Pat. So we'll, we'll go on. I've got, I've got 50% there. I'm actually 50. I'm all right with that. <laughs> the next one, we'll, we'll go to an area of your specialty, which should be shots on target for Chelsea this season. And we know that finishing those shots on target has been a bit of a problem uh, throughout the year. But who are the top three Chelsea players in shots on target this season in the Premier League? Right. Okay, well... It must be a given. It must be Tammy. It must be one of the three, right? So it got, it's yep. got to be a given because sent forward, that's going to happen. He's going to have a, a quite a few goals. After that, my first thing I'm thinking, I'm thinking Pedro, but Pedro hasn't played enough games because Pedro always shoots. So Pedro <laughs> plays enough games, it'll be Pedro, but he's not played enough. I don't know if he's played enough games. Um, neither has Giroud. Uh, so you midfielders. Mm. Well, wow, William, William definitely. He should spike. So, William, that's, I've got him. I'm thinking. After that, it's tough. Oh, wow, that's a toughie. Uh, <laughs> could it be Ross? Could it be? Could it be? 
bemessen, bemessen, ja. Um, don't think it's going to be Jorginho. Still don't think it's going to be Kovacic. <laughs> I still don't know. Even what you're saying there, I still don't think it's going to be Mateo. Um, nah, it's got to be, I'm going to go Mason then. Mason. So what have I got? I've got Mason, Tammy, William. Mason, Tammy. I don't know. The, do you need the order? I don't know. That'll be no, wrong. Yeah. The, the order, so you got... This was a trick question uh, on purpose. So the order, <laughs> the order is uh, Tammy one, Mason two, William and Christian Pulisic tied at three. Oh, I would never have got Christian. I'd never have got, even though I think he's brilliant. I just oh, didn't think good. he played enough games. Yeah, well, it's it's shocking that he's tied with William after so much less game time. I think that's what I when I was looking through his stats, I was like, how is that possible? It seems like he's played about half the games. I mean, the great thing about uh, Christian is. You know, the little bits that we've seen, obviously, an American audience knows plenty about him. <laughs> He's such a hyperstar in America. Um, I talked to my friend, I'm sure some of you know Heather O'Reilly, great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tells me how important a player he is you know, going forward and how sort of well-liked he even was before his time he came to Chelsea. But the bits that I've seen of him, how he can go, where he can go from, he's incredible. So had he been fully fit and playing the entire season, I think we'd have been a lot of people would have been talking about him a lot more. So yeah, it's good that he's in there. I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have guessed him after he wasn't. He wasn't even in my top seven or eight, even though I think he's top quality as a player. Indeed. Uh, so I stumped you twice, and then I'm I'm gonna throw a real curveball at you here because I was digging through the site and I could not believe this one, uh, which is the Premier League lists only one Chelsea player as having. They've identified only one Chelsea player as having made an error leading to a goal, and he's done it twice this year. Who is this player? Well, you immediately start thinking of. You see, I'm telling you how my brain works. I'm, I'm showing my working. <laughs> you are. You're getting credit <laughs> for the homework for sure. So you would think he'd be a centre back um, or a keeper, but I can't remember. I kept on doing. You know, they wouldn't credit him. That's just a mistake. There's been no error, but um, Tony Rudiger. I remember any clear ones. Um, no, Christensen caught a position, but he's not been. No, I always try to think Chuckle. back who's the player laying on their back, face up on the pitch, just going, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, that, that's the reaction. And I, I couldn't I'll think of it either. I'm, I'm guessing it might be Kazuma. It could be him. Um, there's something else, though. There's two players that are jumping in my mind here. There's two players. I have to tell you, there's two players, and I'm embarrassed by it. I love Jorginho, as you know, mm-hmm. and I also love Angola Kante. But I've got somewhere in the back of my mind, I've got both of them going. <laughs> so if you're saying, it's not Jorginho, is it? It's not You're, you're not playing a trick on me, that's Jorginho. Because <laughs> I can, I, somewhere in, I can't tell a game, my mind's at this is, both of them doing that. It's <laughs> unbelievable, Pat, your, your sixth sense you have. Nick, what is going on? It is, you were so close, Pat. It's N'Golo Conte. Oh. They've, they've credited oh. him twice. And one, <laughs> one you can remember is the Arsenal where he was like last man and he yes, slipped. Yeah, yeah, on the counterattack. Right. And I don't oh, remember the That's the one, because I mean, we're all shocked. We went... Well, he slipped. Yeah, we were doing the commentary for it. That's that's what that's what was lodged in there. Yep, <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> that's a great. By the way, what a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was digging through the stats last night, and I was like, I, if you would have asked me all three of those, I think I would have went over three. <laughs> <laughs> but it, they, they are. I know he's been. 
you kind of work them out. I always get these sort of ones that are, you, you don't jump into the first answer, then you take away the ones that are impossible. Mm-hmm. There's a classic one, leave even ones that are unlikely. If the rest are not possible, then you're left with that. But they're, no, they're great questions, man. Yeah, I love them. They're brilliant. Awesome. There we go. I I had to I had to fire back a little bit this time because you you got us so good last time. Nick settled the <laughs> score. He feels really good now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Nick came in with an agenda for sure. Uh, but anyways, I'd be surprised if any, if any of our listeners were able to pull some of those out. Truthfully, of course, obviously. Um, but either way, I think Dan, we can go ahead and transition maybe into a little bit more of the. The chat, you know, kind of like follow up from your guys' conversation. It's almost like a year removed. A lot has happened in a year. Just a touch. Uh, let's go ahead and see where you guys want to start with uh, revisiting and getting updated opinions and thoughts. Well, Pat, when we spoke last time, you know, sorry was still the manager. We talked about maybe former players coming back. And I think you even opined with us that JT, in your mind, was maybe the more likely to come back as a manager for the side. But now we've come into this. 2020, you know, 2019, 2020, and Frank Lampard's Chelsea manager, you know, we'd love to kind of maybe just get a general sense of like from start of the season until now, you know, what's your overall opinion on kind of his style of management and where, what what has worked really well for him and where do you still see an opportunity for him to to grow? Oh, so much. I mean, first of all, he's done so much better. He's so far ahead of the curve. I remember writing that, you know, after about five or six weeks, oh, he's ahead of the curve already. And there's a phrase that seemed to take a, a life of its own. You know, saying, oh, and Frank started using it himself. Um, but so far ahead of where, where he was expected to be and stayed ahead. So much so that when we had a little bit of a dip, couple of dips, people were saying, oh, it's all going wrong. No, no, no. That's where we should have been, really, guys. That's amazing that we're still above that. Um, so I've really kept, really impressed with that. Um, the JT thing, I have to say, had JT been a manager and done the same thing, we'd be feeling the same way. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's fine. One day, 10 years' time, I'd be very happy if JT is a manager, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens one day down the line. As for Frank and Jody, though, um, the bravery, that, that's really got me. That really has surprised me. Um, because any young manager coming in, if you've got, you know, the cojones to walk out there and do some of the things that Frank's done, you know, stood toe-to-toe with some people. I mean, first of all, outthinking Mourinho twice. I love that, man. <laughs> Tactically <laughs> outthinking. That's just genius. I've loved that. It's been the highlights of the year so far anyway. Um, other things that, like, obviously, we know, believing in some players, you know, that you didn't think about. And hearing Frank and Jody talk and, you know, the words like Frank will turn around to Jody and Eddie and say, is X player ready? And they'll go, yeah. And like we're thinking, well, the confidence that comes back to when Frank goes, right, put some in and be it Reese, be it Tamori, be it just and they come and they come and they come because they just say, yeah. And it's you have to have that. Frank thinks they're ready. And the most re- recent one being Billy Gilmore, is he ready? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no breath, just yeah. But it takes everyone to be brave enough to do that. So that bravery has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the fact that we are such an attack-minded side, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Lots of people <laughs> talking about things we, we will lose goals. Yeah, that's what happens to attack-minded sides. It can happen. You have to deal with it. So, you know, I've, I've put up with that and I've accepted that. 
we have got one or two weaknesses, which I think he generally sees. You know, you remember earlier in the season we had a period where we lost a lot of goals from corner kicks. And we seem wedded to this very specific method of defending. Now, we stuck to it for a while. And then Frank just went, no, forget that, and moved off it. Changed it. Made it a half man-to-man, half zone. I mean, we still lost a few from set pieces. We're not necessarily the tallest team. So watching them technically, watching them in terms of personality, bravery, all that stuff is absolutely superb so far. Um, and what could they learn? Um, it's kind of, I'm just watching them learning. You know, I've seen them learn things. I've, I've watched them change his mind on things and adapt on things. Um, so if, a, if you're a manager and you're not learning, uh, you've got to be some sort of genius because I've never seen a manager who's not learning as he goes along. Frank's learning, but he's learning so quick just now. So you ask me what it is he has to do, just more and more experience and the opportunity to bring some more of those players in that he wants to get. Yeah, I think we probably take it for granted a little bit. Like he's dropped Keppa, he's dropped anyone, a lot of rotation. I mean, not only is he a young manager, he's coming in managing in the Premier League and the Champions League and the FA Cup and the League Cup. You know, there's just a lot that goes into it. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think that we've, <laughs> we've he just started so well that we've kind of just accepted that this is the standard in all reality. I think for any, you know, first time manager in the Premier League, which he is, um, like he's done, he's done so well with kind of a lot of his decisions he's made. I think that's, that's pretty interesting to hear. Can I tell you one, just before you go off yeah. that, one of the things, and you, you mentioned managing. So when we think managing, we often think, obviously, the, the tactics that they're doing just now, the players you bring in, etc. No, the word managing, as in management, as in every, many of us, or almost all of us have worked where we've had a manager above it, whatever your business is, right? So what do you want your manager to do? It's, it's really simple. You want them to realise what you're good at. You want them to find a way to get the best out of you. You want them to treat you respectfully. And you, so you're, all the things you want a manager to do, just put them all over from that box into a football box, and it's exactly the same. So watch it this season. Some of the things that this is probably, if I would say, the thing that's impressed me most about Frank, talk about his bravery and all that sort of stuff. This is the thing that's impressed me. Olivier Giroud, World Cup winner. You know, he's played for France. He's been out of the team. He's not got a sniff. He's behind Tammy Abraham. When he comes in, well done, Olivier, keeping a good attitude. That's brilliant. But, you know, it's got to go good management. It, it does that. You know, from he walked back in and suddenly his attitude is absolutely nailed on. Have you seen, I've not seen one bottom lip out. You know, there's been lots of players that have been dropped. And they come back in and boy, do they fight it. They go and chase it. They have, because the manager has just been respectful about The manager's just said, right, you're not in now, this is why not. He's playing better, he's doing this, he's doing that. If you keep on going and you get a chance and you take the chance, you can have it. How many players have done that way? It's been absolutely brilliant. He's done it 10 years. By the way, my son's going to walk in. Uh, just on, on camera, Sammy. Mum will be back in a minute. <laughs> no shots. First ever time on camera. By the way, big fanatical Chelsea fan, Sammy. Yeah. Love that. One one of the things that we've noticed from Lampard, specifically around Giroud, and, and I think some other players as well that he's dropped throughout the year, is you've seen him slowly but surely maybe admit that he was wrong about the order of things or admit that maybe, 
we didn't give Giroud enough chances early on when when Mishi wasn't necessarily firing on all cylinders. So I think it's a it's a sign of maturity to me that you know one of the things you you would expect from a really good manager is if you were right about something that they would eventually come around to that idea and, and give you a shot at something that uh, maybe they didn't think that you could do. And that's been really encouraging for me, and I think had to be encouraging for Giroud. Because he went from no minutes to all the minutes very quickly. Yeah. So, A, you've kept him with the right psychological attitude. You've just been straight. It's the biggest thing footballers ever say to the bosses. Just be straight with me. I mean, if you are straight with them. And to be honest, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Because sometimes walking up to a player and say, by the way, I think he's better than you. It's less crushing. <laughs> it's the way you have to say it. Because remember, if you're a soccer player and you're at top level, you believe you are the best. You will not get anywhere unless you believe you are the best. And if your manager says the exact opposite, so it's really tough management that. But there, as you absolutely correctly say, the bravest people are the ones that say, I'm wrong. You know, they're able to say it. You know, and I've, I would say the vast majority of managers I've worked under in my career have never had the ability to say it. They've got an idea in the mind, they're stuck to their idea, and they're embarrassed and they, they think it shows weakness when they say that they're wrong or accept that they're wrong. It doesn't, you're absolutely right, Nick. It says exactly the opposite. It says you're strong. You're strong enough to be able to make those sort of big decisions. Um, and if you get those players on board that you could have lost, many times have we known it over the years, any team but Chelsea particularly, you, a player's kind of left out in the cold. He's gone. He's dead to you. <laughs> you know, you've, you've lost a player. And there comes a part of the season where you need that guy. You think, I even thought that about Giroud as well. We're going to need him. I hope we're treating him okay. And he didn't seem to be. But the, the minute he walks through the door, you see that he, he has. And I talked to, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to talk to Olivier just before the shutdown. And uh, I hadn't actually talked to him before. Um, what a stunningly polite, lovely guy. You know, and there's no arrogance about him. And considering what he's done in the world of football. There is not the slightest scintilla of arrogance about him. Um, so maybe that helps it, dealing with that sort of guy. Yeah, I could see that um, without a doubt. Kind of bridging a little bit of you know your playing days and, and today, we did get a question from Discord. And they said, which players, maybe including yourself, from your time at playing at Chelsea, do you think would fit into Lampard's current team? And in like, in what role do they fit? Technically, tactically, just the spirit of the team. Is there someone that you look back in your playing days and be like, oh, they would thrive under Frankie Ball? Um, I think it was a guy called Mickey Hazard. Was a, see, I just look at good technical players. And he was a very good technical player playing in a time where it was hard to be a technical player because pictures weren't as good. Football and style was kind of much more up and down, you know, possession and matching opportunities, thumping the ball up long. Uh, that sort of stuff. And if you're a good technical player, you had to do a lot and a very limited amount of time on the ball. So Mickey Hazard was a bit like that. Um, so uh, a player that we'd do better now. There's a guy in my team called uh, Colin Pates. Uh, anytime. Ended up going to Arsenal. He was a skipper of our team. He's one of those guys, you know, at the back, foot in the ball. You know, I, he wouldn't believe me saying it, but a bit of a David Luiz and the fact that left side, comfortable on the ball, can hit his right as well. Um, just, just a very good player and would be a better suited to now. now I'm not saying these are better or worse players just the ones as you correctly asked are, are suited um, I wrote a piece on the Chelsea website this week about um, uh, 
Stevie Clark. And Stevie Clark would waltz into the current uh, setup, not just at Chelsea, but just at the modern game as well, because he was a modern technical footballer who could play right back, centre back, centre midfield, any of those positions. I played with um, with Scotland. And again, if any of you, you maybe not have read the article I wrote, but I also played for uh, England with Clarkey. How embarrassing is that for a Scotsman? <laughs> <laughs> That's something you hear every day. Yes, but we played for England or the English National League against the rest of the world. And uh, certainly Mr. Maradona and Platini were playing against us that day. But uh, Clark and I were the ones that were chosen. So Clarky was, even at that time, thought by many people as you know, the best technically that we had. So he certainly would have done really well in that period, in, that, in any period of football. Yeah, I... I... I'm always intrigued because I've been reading your most recent articles and like, especially the one about you know how you guys shut down for a period with the late winter storms back in was 86, I think like something around there. And uh, it's, it's always great to see the archive photos brought out because <laughs> when, when you were talking about the pitches, for example, I, some of these photos, it, it's like grass clumps that, that come up to your knees. You're like, how do you dribble through? <laughs> how do you dribble through that? Well, to be honest, one of the big things about it is the worst part of the pitch was the middle. So stay out wide and you can dribble <laughs> yeah. up. It kind of helped a wee bit. Um, but you're right. There, was, there were occasions I played in my career. You actually couldn't run with the ball. Um, I remember um, I played for Scotland once against Luxembourg. And I, you just couldn't run with the ball. The grass was about year long. And it was bobbly underneath. And I've got the manager telling me to dribble. And I'm going, what? I don't know. I can dribble in this stuff. I can remember taking Ken Bates, our old chairman, out once. It was near the end of the season, and our pitch basically looked like, uh, if you've ever been to Iceland, there's a road between Keflavik and Reykjavik. It just looks like the moon. Well, it looked like that. Not the road, but <laughs> the kind of granite, the surface, the lava at the side. And I took Ken Bates out, and I said, look, I want to show you something. I've got a ball. And I just rolled it across the pitch. And I said, just watch that. And the ball's gone like that all the way across. <laughs> You need to get some new pitch, mate. And he went, nah, it'll be okay. And just walked away. And he just, the, the amount of money it would, you would need to get a new pitch. Now, we were a good technical team. and But we'd play against teams that were just kick and run teams. And it would suit them much better. So, definitely the case. It was, it was a little bit harder at certain periods of time. You know, I'll be honest with you. This is a, it's a great question. Um, when I left Chelsea, you know, the number of choices of where to go. One of, the, one of the major factors was, what's the home pitch like? How good is it? And the best one in the country at the time was Goodison Park, Everton. And wow. that's not the only reason why I went to Everton. I'll tell you what, it was right up there in my mind because that's the difference in the pitches. So there's nothing you could do. You needed to live. You the only, I just prayed for rain because rain deadens it and can run through mud. Uh, one of the areas that we we had a really good chat about uh, in our last episodes that I wanted to expand upon, given how prominent it is in our in our season story so far, is just talking about the youth and kind of that revolution. And last year, you know, it was obviously more of the Ruben Loftus Cheek, Callum Hudson Adoy breakthrough kind of season. This season, kind of with those guys out injured for a large majority of it, we have. Uh, a whole crop of new talent and, and listening back to I think it was March of last year you were you were kind of well ahead of the curve talking about your Tammy Abrahams and 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 the like so wanted to get just your impression of a few of these guys Pat and we'll, we'll kind of rotate in on these but 
first of all, we, we, we couldn't omit Billy Gilmore. We, we have to talk about Billy, who's everybody's uh, favorite midfielder right now. So can you kind of give a sense of who he is as a player beyond what we've seen so far? Well, first of all, uh, all the Scottish people have known all about him since he was 14. Uh, in Scotland, he was that well known as a player coming through at Rangers because of his technical ability. Then everybody knew up here. And it was extraordinary because that I can't remember the last time, I really can't, that we knew of a 14-year-old that we thought, wow, he's going to be special. Now, so if you're Scottish, we knew about it. Now, Chelsea took him a year or two later and he went down to Chelsea and everyone kept on asking me the same questions because he's, he's small, he's roughly about my height. He plays centre midfield, he's quite adaptable in various things, but te- his technical ability is as good as anyone's you'll see on the ball, holding the ball. He's a very modern type footballer as well, as you've seen. But the, when people ask me, particularly Scottish people, because I've got this link, I'm down at Chelsea, the Scottish people ask me how he's doing. And I kept on saying, yeah, you know, it'll be a little while. You know, there's great players in front of him. He's got Jorginho, he's got Kante, he's got Kovacic, he's got other young players coming through. You know, but he'll get little chances over the next two or three years. Bang! There he goes in the first team. Well, where did that come from? <laughs> like, I really didn't see it coming quite that quickly because, and Frank actually said he'd left it a few weeks longer or a few months longer than he probably should have. Because what Frank has learned through all, the, all of this, through the Reese James, through the Tamori, through everyone, is just look at them in training and take the blinkers off. Forget the age. And I, I love that attitude because... I spend my time doing commentaries. I go to a lot of games and I don't care who's playing. I really don't. If I, I've watched teams before and you watch them and you think, yeah, you're a bit rubbish, you lot. And the people will say to you, what do you mean? I'm saying, that's Real Madrid, you know. <laughs> Real Madrid, you're saying, you just say what you see. And sometimes there's people, players and teams that have gone over the top and they're gone. And you just got to call it. But it takes a special thing to be able to look at guys and say, actually, you're not any good anymore. Or you're miles away from the player you used to be. But you need to do it the other way as well, which is you look at a youngster and go, you're unbelievably good. And it's not just because it's training, you're good. Um, and I, I think the big thing that's helped for that is, is Jody. Jody's watched him coming through. So if Billy Gilmore comes out of training and has a great day in training, Jody will be saying, well, you should play then. He's, he's the best player in training today. He should be playing. It doesn't matter that he's younger. It doesn't matter that he's small. He's still making the tackles. He's still doing the right things. So it's football is or should be a meritocracy. But a lot of the time it isn't because of big names. That's not the case with Chelsea now. And nothing makes me happier. The fact that, do you know what? If you're good enough, it doesn't matter. Um, so well done. Billy, it, it, sorry, it was always going to help me, Billy. It was always going to help. It's not, not even a question. The two that I've been certain about were Tammy, definite. Billy, definite. But both of them much, much quicker than I probably thought. Um, and certainly the start of the season for Tammy was great. But for Billy just now, the bigger problems, forget Chelsea. I want him in that Scotland team. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so we need him in Scotland because we get big games coming up. Like We need him. So uh, our Scotland manager, the aforementioned Stevie Clark, and he'll be having the young Billy in the team. But he's got everything. As you, the first games, the first couple of games when we stuck in there, the game against Liverpool. I'm sure you've watched it live. And I'd love to know from each of you 
was your jaw on the floor? Were you going, what? <laughs> or did you know about him anyway? Yeah, probably. When he rolled Fabinho, Brandon, that was that was the time where I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I was probably slowest or most cautious um, because we saw him at Grinsby Town and, you know, some of the League Cup matches are playing lower position. But it's still phenomenal because he's a kid. <laughs> You know, playing against these lower level teams who, you know, again, probably aren't the most technical teams. Uh, and then we'll just, you know, for him to then walk, literally walk into Liverpool and no one even batted an eye at, should he be there, Dan? Is this justified? Is this on merit? Or, you know, what is this? Like, he was calm, comfortable, and well adjusted. And then we all kind of sat and went, and then Roy Keane's comments and all these other pundits coming out as well. You're like, all right, there's 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 some steam behind this one. This is real. Well, it was the first time, Pat, since I I think I I, I know we kind of you know, talk very positively about about Jorginho and the contribution he's made. I think it's the first time since we had Sesk in midfield where I felt like we had someone in midfield who was consistently looking for the forward direct pass in a way. And maybe a little bit more ambitious, and maybe maybe it's the youth, maybe it's a little bit more risk taking that he's bringing to the side. But I felt like he always knew where his next pass was going in such an instinctual way. And uh, like you said, I think he's he's got a ramp that is uh, pretty sharp, heading to the top. I don't worry about. Do you know, of all the players that have broken through, obviously, um, we I put in a very different position for Billy, but there's so many things we have in common. Obviously, coming down from Scotland, expectations were limited. Little guy, people think, oh, not expecting. And then suddenly you break in really quickly. But a couple of things help, um, and they're quite specific to Chelsea sometimes. Um, there's a roll call of players that goes back to Charlie Cook, that goes to, you know, obviously Gianfranco Zola. You know, little guys all the way to Eden Hazard, Van Mata. You've kind of liked a couple of people have been kind enough to throw my name in there with them as well. The little guys and the Chelsea fans love small, technical, hardworking, honest players like that that have got technical skills. And one of the things that we all noticed, and I talked to Billy about this, we've all noticed it. Um, and over the years, I've talked to everyone about it. You play, and after two or three games, the fans go, right, you're one of us. And you, you, you can make mistakes. And everyone go, no, no, that's fine. Carry on. <laughs> it's... You have no idea what that is like, what that, because you have no fear. You have nothing at all. You just think, they've got my back. Every one of them up there, around here, have got my back. And I asked Billy about it. He goes, it was amazing. <laughs> it's just, I've never felt anything like it, about, about it, uh, like it before. And so coming down, the other thing, when I came down from Scotland, really fairly early on in my career with Chelsea, it was a, a really big game on. We played Manchester City. It was live on television in, in the UK. We went to an L, and I had the pundits, which was Bobby Charlton, who was very famous Manchester United England player, saying he thought I was amazing. And suddenly it gives you that extra ramp as well that you're talking about because everyone's talking about you and the kind of belief kind of grows in you. Um, so this, I kind of know where he is. I know where his head is just now. And it's a place of fans believe in me, pundits there believe in me, Manager, he's believing in me. My teammates, they believe in me because they're giving me the ball all the time. See, if you've got all that, there's only one player, person left now to believe in you. It's yourself. And Billy does. 
And so that's why I, this whole thing together is all pulled together and it's, it's there already. So I'm really, really delighted for him. I did had a wee chat to him. Um, in the Newcastle game uh, early in the season there up at Newcastle um, and I walked down with about a minute to go and I just bumped into Billy he was on the bench and I said to him you should be on the pitch today and he went <laughs> I went no not joking you should be on that pitch we need you and he kind of was quite surprised at it but absolutely seen enough of him I should we, this, you're exactly what we need him um, and reminded him of it uh, when he made those two games in the Liverpool game etc and he went yeah I remember you saying that <laughs> and it was a lovely lovely moment because Billy would have known me because I was as Billy was growing up, I was the main pundit for BBC television in Scotland. So he would see me as a TV pundit as opposed to a Chelsea player. And it was really nice to just to walk over and say that to him. Um, he's, and by the way, another one. What a great kid. <laughs> lovely kid. <laughs> and Frank will talk about that all day, what a good kid he is. So there's uh, another one that Frank has, has talked a lot about and put a lot of trust in and uh, has played the second most Premier League minutes only behind Cesar Espelicueta. That's Mason Mount, mm. who, you know, whether it looks like he's injured and maybe should be taking a break, uh, the man is one of the hardest working players in the team at the moment. How do you feel he's acclimatized to the Premier League this season? And, and where do you maybe where do you maybe see him from a best positional standpoint because Frank has also applied him everywhere and it's kind of in the hey I need someone to stick in a hole Mason's gonna do it it's a good thing you actually have that if you're a player because see if you've only got one position and the best player in the world arrives in that position you're stuffed <laughs> but see if you've got two or three different positions it's okay you can fit you can do things and you can help the teams in different ways and also he's learning his craft in those different areas and what's his best position well I, I would guess he would tell you it's the 10 behind the striker. So if it was a 4-2-3-1, he'd be the central three. Um, and a 4-3-3, he can be the, you know, the, the middle left or the forward left. Those are the positions that he's kind of put in. You tend to find that his numbers will be much better when he's forward left. That's, that's, that's where he's arriving best. Really because he is a mini Frank. You know, Frank, how many, if you just close your eyes and think of Frank's goals, he's scored for us. How many of them are arriving from that inside left position? Arriving a little bit late. And Mason's got a real ability to, to do that. And he's clearly learned part of it from, from Frank as well. He's not as good as Frank at doing it yet, but then I would suggest there never has been anybody as good as Frank <laughs> doing it. And I don't mean at Chelsea, I mean ever. Ever, yeah. Anywhere you. from midfield that's as good as Frank at doing that. And I was doing a wee analysis. I, I don't know, trying to remember the age. The, the game we won 15 years ago against Bolton, we won the league, Mourinho, Clarke and all that up at Bolton. And I did an analysis of the game and, of, and it was of Frank Lampard, as I would do it now. And it was astonishing the way he arrives and has his nose for changing a direction. So the ball's somewhere else. No, they, ha they haven't even won possession yet. But he's guessed and gambled you're going to and starts moving. And he, you see him get the tap and you go, oh, another easy goal for Frank. No, no, you need to drive all the way back to where it happened, where his first movement came from. That's what Mason's learning just now. That's where he's pretty good at the moment. In fact, very, very good. Problem is he's always going to get, you know, but what about Frank? Because that's what Frank did. If you were comparing to anybody else, he'd be fantastic. But poor guy's getting compared to the best in the business. There's nothing wrong with that because he'll, you keep on lifting. And the lovely thing, of course, 
Frank is, is like a mini me, obviously, and Frank adores him, and Frank <laughs> can kind of relate to him. So it really, again, like Billy, it really helps that the manager's got your back, the manager believes in you, and the manager understands how you're thinking and can help your thinking as well. Yeah, obviously, he's he's been so flexible because it can't be easy to, you know, play in all those different positions and all those different, you know, just responsibilities every time. And so I think that uh, sometimes us as fans, we don't give enough credit to players who get slotted across the front line or the midfield. I mean, he, you know, he's played as an eight, a 10, like you said, a, almost a seven, a little bit. And, you know, he's just been all around it. And, you know, you think about all the film and the preparation that goes into it. He's literally starting over almost every week, every other week with his preparation. So uh, I've, I have a lot of, you know, respect for Mason. We got to talk to him, too, and he was amazing, so friendly and gracious at this time. Uh, Mason's fantastic. Uh, and then recently, Mason has grown a mustache. I don't know if you guys have seen that on social media. Boy, Boy that's tough. And then called out Tammy Abraham for his <laughs> lack of facial hair. So it's glad to see the camaraderie is going well. Um, but I'm going to use that to throw it over to Tammy, Pat. You said that he's one of the ones that you said is is absolutely you know established himself. He's he's proved it. Uh, I guess what where else do you go with Tammy? I mean he. I, I'm blown away. What a jump he has made to step up, take the number nine shirt, and run with it for his boyhood club. I mean, this is what dreams are made of. They are, and you've just kind of seen the start of it. I, there's so much more to come from Tommy. Um, the physicality stuff is growing. You can just about see it. I think we asked too much of him this season, mm-hmm. and I think he tired, um, and then he played through injury. Um, and you start to thinking, oh, he's still a bit willy, willowy. You know, he's a bit thinner than he should be for a really strong centre forward. And then when Giroud comes on the scene and he shows you how to hold the ball up and how good he is at it. But that was, a, and then I was a tired Tammy that you remember that from when he'd gone through that first period where he was just on fire and he was strong and he was beginning to bully people as a centre forward. That's going to come. It's, some players just... You know, I'm sure last time when we were talking about it, I was explaining the difference between him and Dominic Solanke and saying everyone was talking about Solanke coming through and I was looking and thinking, well, technically, Solanke's not in the same league as Tammy. All the things he was doing, but Solanke was a big, broad guy who could bully his way through. But there comes a time when you need that and you need the technical ability as well. Tammy always had it. So I would always go for that, that type of player. Um, he's so much to learn. He's going to need some help. You know, as time goes by over the next year or two, you can't stick with a player as a, a singular number nine on his own against two, something, three big centre-backs, getting knocked about all over the place and asking him to do 60 games a season. It's just going, it's not really going to work. It's, you're going to get tired, you're going to look weak. And as a player, you'll never turn around and say to the manager, I'm a bit tired now, can you take me out? It doesn't happen, right? It just doesn't happen. As, as most sportsmen wouldn't even consider it anyway. And that's the right way to be. But the manager needs to know and he needs to have someone else to bring in. Now, Giroud did it this year and they might do it for a while longer. Who knows? But long term, Tammy's going to have to have somebody that's going to be able to walk in and stand beside him and do that. You know, sometimes with him, sometimes just, you know, spelling it between them. Uh, but oh, not surprised that Tammy who scored the goals that he scored. Just a shame that he got, you know, a couple of the injuries. I'm particularly upset by the injury he got <clears throat> when he went into the scoreboard, uh, the, the advertising boards. I, it drives me nuts. And I'm a slight dig at Chelsea, but not just Chelsea, but every other club in the league. I have no idea 
why they build the pitches the way they do now. Because the drop-off after the end with plastic surface, you can't stop. doesn't matter what you're doing. You've got the wrong studs on. It's a drop-off. You're going 100 mile an hour. You try and put studs in there, no chance. You're going down. There's, there's more injuries to happen. There was two last season with it. There's, you need to watch out for that. It's a real danger. And I felt it was a shame in Tammy because that was not his fault. That was design of the field isn't that when he then was just hobbling on and the attacker danced around him because he wasn't really helping and then we ended up giving up a late goal well i blame mitchy for that one because if you look back what happened is well well remember that's exactly what happened tammy that, by this point mitchy that's why he was on alongside tammy up front because we were chasing it a bit and what happens is tammy runs back into the left back position to give mm-hmm. a little bit of cover no no see when your mate's injured like that don't let him do the running. Michi, you do the running. Now, a player, I've, I've no point in my career would have not known to do that. I'd have said, no, no, you stay there. I'll do it. And I'd have went. Both of them were set forward at the time. Michi had to tell Tammy, recover. Um, so I was, Michi wasn't being lazy. He just didn't think. And he should have thought. He's just desperate to stay up top because he wants to take his chance so he can get into form and all that, right? But at the in that situation, at the expense of the team, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and that's why it happened. So I, I had no blame what, whatsoever attached to Tammy because Tammy worked his socks off to get back there when he wasn't fit enough to get back there. Yeah. He, couldn't, he couldn't move. You're absolutely well remembered in that situation. But hey, things like that happen. You know, mm. if, if your biggest weakness is the fact that you're wanting to work too hard, not a bad one, that, is it? That's, a, yeah. that's okay. We'll have that. Speaking of willing to work too hard, uh, Reese James, um, <laughs> who I think I think we can all kind of see as, as an up-and-coming star for the club and a guy who started off injured and then obviously had to work his way back to being fit, Pat. Um, what, what's your rating on him so far? I mean, besides in, immaculate crossing ability. Yeah. I got a couple better than immaculate. <laughs> I think I had to actually move up from there a, a few grades. Um I did a thing on uh, a few BBC and things over here. I think his crossing's as good as Beckham. I think it's that good. And Beckham, you know, I think Beckham was a a really decent player, but he was world-class crosser. I mean, he was as good. That was his his USP. That's what he's better than anything else. His passing was very, very good. He was good at decent free kicks, very good at free kicks. But his crossing was extraordinary. I I think this is... That level, I really do think he's as good as that. Um, and that is saying, if you if you are world class at a certain thing, you'll you'll have a good career. Well, he's world class at that. And by the way, see the other stuff he's got as well. We're just beginning to see little things. Um, yeah, I look at my thing. You could be the best centre midfielder at the club. And honestly, you stick him in that centre midfield position. The reason why I think it is, you may if you, if you look through some of the games. He's been chased into the bottom corner, you know, defensively. He's got the ball. He's got two and three players chasing him down, closing him down. And the most relaxed, relaxed person at Stanford Bridge is Reese James, thinking, yeah, I've got this. <laughs> Just dummy, 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 and walks out with the ball. And you think, where did you get that from? You're a, you're a right back, for God's sake. <laughs> the belief, the strength is absolutely extraordinary. Now, if you've got that, uh, spatial awareness that he's got. So we see him going forward, crossing, the, that angle stuff. The spatial awareness stuff is the stuff that I'm only seeing little 
bits of you don't see that much from fullbacks because they've got other things to do. Um, spatial awareness on the ball is absolutely brilliant. You know, like you see Billy's got it, you see Jorginho's got it, but he's got it in spades as well. So what a player he could be. And it's, it's you know, I, I thought there was one or two weaknesses. He is a bit quicker than I gave him credit for. I haven't watched him really closely now. So, I mean, has anyone really done him yet? You'll remember, I'm going to ask all of you because you'll remember. Was it Zaha? The one-on-ones he had against yeah. Zaha? Zaha is the best, isn't he? He's the best one-on-one player that probably is in English football. Just now, up since Hazard left, if you a one-on-one, the last person you want it against is Zaha. Well, he had a whole bunch against Zaha. He never, Zaha never done him. It was, that was a moment. Zaha got cautioned out of frustration. I'm pretty sure is how that ended. Uh, Correct for him. And I watched Zaha a lot because I, mean, I, I like that type of player. There's certain things about his game that I don't like, but the giveaway is. Nobody ever, ever leaves him man on man. Every team he plays against him has two, sometimes three on him. That's A, how important he is to a team, but how good he is as a player. We yeah. didn't. We actually just left <laughs> Rhys James on. It was all right. It was a really quite stunning thing to see from a tactical position. And I'll see that because I spent most of my career usually having two on me. And <laughs> sometimes if you're left with one on you, you think, party time. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas yeah. I don't think you get party time against Reese James. <laughs> he's still got a really tough time. <laughs> no, he's uh, definitely anti-party, uh, Reese for sure on the pitch. All right, Dan, let's go ahead and wrap this up with a banger, obviously, as we are wildly biased. Well, you know, you, you mentioned him earlier, Pat, so you kind of laid the foundation for this, but we had to get your perspective on our countrymen a little bit deeper, uh, Christian Pulisic, and you know, even though he's – probably been subject to a fair number of injuries this season. We've had a chance to see some pretty special moments, the hat trick, the uh, just kind of some of the ways that he's been able to contribute. So how are you feeling about him as a you know player? And, and where do you think maybe he kind of needs to go or improve in the next season? Um, I think he could be our best player. That, that's saying a lot. I think he could be Chelsea's best player. Um, purely because... The best that I've seen him, uh, I've seen of him, the technical side of his game is astonishing. The pace is ridiculous, but it's the intelligent pace. The knowing when to make moves. See if we had Cesc Fabregas on the pitch and him. Oh my God. <laughs> Just <laughs> unstoppable. Absolutely. We haven't really got that type of play. We haven't even got David Luiz anymore who could play that pingy ball. His movement off the ball and into space and into areas is. is just as good as anyone I've seen for years. Um, and he's selfless with it and he's consistent with it. He, I mean, I've got, oh, because I'm at the games, I will look at the whole thing, you know, just watching from a television perspective. And I can see the 10 times he's made that run when he was in and we didn't get it to him. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. If we put a player in there who's got that vision, who starts seeing that ball. Now, you kind of don't need sex to do it. You just need somebody who thinks, oh, that's the run he makes. I'll keep putting it in there. So it may well be that Billy learns it or whatever. When he gets that link-up play with somebody, he's extraordinary. We know his skills. His skills are absolutely fantastic as well. Um, I don't know Kristen that well. Um, he seems very quiet. And I think a wee bit of strength of personality, I think. The lads need to kind of wind him up a wee bit and bring that personality out. But you'll often find there are players that come into a team and it does take a year for the personality thing 
to really grow within the group. Some walk in and they're easy, it's fine. Others, it takes a while and then they feel part of it after a while. He really strikes me as he's one that needed the year. He really did. Next year, if he turned up being a player of the year, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, so that's seriously high praise. Um, but I, I don't, I'm struggling to find out what he's not got for pure quality. He could be as effective for us as Eden in a different way, but he needs to really want it. He needs to have the desire for it. And for God's sake, with his American background, I mean, these are a bunch of winners. <laughs> That's what you do. You know, it's, any, any team you talk about, you know, there's always this two positions, first and worst. You know, he's got to get that into his head. And that kind of European Germanic background thing, that should actually help him as well, kind of thing, shouldn't it? Because Germans have got this kind of efficient kind of, efficient kind of thing going with them. I've got, I'm excited about him. I, again, do you expect it? Do you all think it's highly of him? If he's healthy, uh, I think I think it's been it's been hard to really give him a, a, an official grade this year because you know he went through a little rough patch at the beginning where he wasn't playing and I think frankly you know didn't have an off season whatsoever so I think was probably struggling for fitness just like any other normal human being would do um, but yeah the flashes that you've seen. Like he was our most dangerous player for a period of six weeks when we went on that winning streak, um, kind of mid October, and it was fascinating to watch because I think for me, you mentioned that Eden and, and his styles are so different, um, and and they are. I think most people who expected him to be a like for like Eden Hazard replacement are are definitely looking at his game differently now, but he he was almost too selfless at the beginning and mm -hmm. then started shooting and then maybe he was a little selfish and then scaled it back. And you kind of saw him like integrate slowly into the team. Uh, but I found that him and Mason, when they were on the field together on that left side, ended up crowding each other in the box a lot. And so hopefully when they figure out the spacing thing, Dan, like this, this could be lethal because the shot that Mason has on him, if he's able to get into space is, Maybe game over. That that was definitely where I was too. Is that the needing to be a little bit more selfish at times, and then also just the comfortability with the other players on the pitch and knowing who's going to be where, who's going to be there when, and how he's going to be able to to connect with them appropriately. Brandon, I, those are the two things that uh, in my mind are the only two things that hold him back from being. Uh, I think, as Pat said, one of the best on our team. I mean, I think one of the gaps that we did feel like we had is he didn't track back much. I mean, there's obviously differences between him and William, but his ability to be so direct, I think it like throws defenders off because not only will he run at you, he's going to run at past you to the goal. And he takes such kind of extreme lines and runs that people are thrown off by that. And they're very uncomfortable because especially as a defender, you know, he puts them in situations where they don't want to be. And I think that is one of the things that I've come to realize um, about his game that is so well thought out is his awareness, kind of you say, to get in these massively dangerous positions, especially defender on your back. They can't really put in a tackle because, you know, you're probably going to get a pen, um, go from there. So I, I've been thrilled watching it. Like you said, a little, a little concerned at the beginning of the season, right? Frank kind of 
keeping him out of the limelight, not getting any minutes, not getting in the game day squads. And then it all came good. And you talk about decision-making and bravery from Frank. That was one of the things like he knew what Christian needed when everyone else didn't. (laughs) And he played it perfectly. Obviously, unfortunately, the injuries came later, but it seems to be all upside for me, honestly. I'm I'm pretty excited by watching him as a player. Just disappointed, but don't blame any of it on him. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think injuries... As you said, both of you said the preseason was hard for him as well. Um, fitting into a new group. The new group obviously was learning about each other, all those things. If I put all that together and his capabilities, the money that Chelsea played, that was a gigantic amount of money for Chelsea play. Mm-hmm. Hey, and I still think that's perfectly worth it. I'm really comfortable with the money we paid for him. So um, I know not all Chelsea fans, because you cannot help but thinking, well, Eden was the last guy there. And, and I understand that, but he isn't Eden. And that's any football will tell you that. And it's happened to us all. I can remember coming to Chelsea and people going, Oh, you're the new Charlie Cook. I'm thinking, Actually, I don't play in like Charlie Cook. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to play in a similar ish position. Yeah. Uh, and I happen to be Scottish too. And I remember going to Everton and, Oh, you're the new Trevor Stephen. I'm thinking, I'm nothing like him. <laughs> Do your scouting think, report. You're not, you're not, and sometimes you, they want you then to try and fit into this, you know, and sometimes fans do, sometimes, you know, sometimes management do, but um, let them be their own players because they always will in the end be their own players. It's like Tammy. Tammy might be the new Didier. It'll just be, best being the new Tammy, just being him because if you can take some good stuff off of Didier, hold it up and get that strength and that power, I just get a feeling, I hope it's this season. See, after the summer, whenever it happens, um, I think one summer he's going to walk back in. <laughs> you're going to go, where's Tammy? Who are you? Because <laughs> yeah. he's going to be powered up. <laughs> he needs to hang out with Ross Barkley. He's always hitting the weights and just looking cut. Gaz Cahill was always jacked. Remember he had the, the sleeveless training tops and he'd flex <laughs> hard? Yeah. I think you make a very good point about Ross because Ross – really changed his physique. Ross mm-hmm. was didn't look that sculpted when he was at Everton. I have yeah. to tell you. Um, and then his first little period at Chelsea wasn't that sculpted. And then he had a few ups and downs as we know. And then he came back and he looked nailed. It, honestly just he was running differently physically. It's amazing how you know you know half a stone or eight, eight pounds or whatever, how many kilos you call it. Um, you'd make a massive, massive difference. So and I noticed it with him. And I think it can just happen. There's a couple of players I've, over the years have watched it happen with. It can have a downside because it can slow you down if you come, become over-muscled. But with some other players, it's, it's really what you need. And I suspect and hope will happen with Tammy. Yeah, well, I tell you what, um, a lot of promise in this youth development section, which is so exciting for Chelsea. Young, attacking, energetic squad and we've seen the the bright spots of it obviously uh with being young you're gonna have some of the learnings along the way but again you know i don't think we can have too many complaints where we stand right now so so pat one of the things we've done recently with some of our guests is we'll try to tailor a little bit of a lightning round of questions to them and we would be remiss if we didn't take advantage of your wonderful music knowledge because there's there's a stark problem at Chelsea at the moment, and it's the lack of really quality songs or chants for the players. 
And, and we just have to think, as the director of player songs, a new title that we've created specifically for you, <laughs> that you might be able to make some appropriate recommendations, either in the genre or the song, so that the fans can find a way to offer some additional maybe curated support to these new players that have come up this season. Now, obviously, we've got a few. William already has a song. Alonzo already has a song. We have a lot of new new kids. We've got a lot of new players or maybe some players who've returned and they, they need help. And we hope that you might be able to help them with that. Um, right. Okay. I'm going to try the first one. So let's, you mentioned, let's start with Tammy Abraham as Tammy. The, the first one. Um, see, I'm going to go quite literal with Tammy. Uh, the Beatles. <laughs> getting better all the time. Remember that track? Yeah, and again, it's him. Mm-hmm. He's getting better all the time. So it's kind of sums them up. I don't know if it's going to work as a chant. I don't know how many of these are going to work as a chant, but it's kind of summing up what he's doing just now. Now, oddly enough, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan in the world. Um, they're great, they're wonderful, but you know, I'd been hopefully more of a Velvet Underground fan at <laughs> the time. But uh, certainly, getting better all the time for for Tammy. And Tammy will go, "What? Never heard of it." But then. These kids wouldn't have heard of any of the music I play. What about what about Christian Pulisic? We just had a big discussion about him. Uh, obviously American, so I don't know if that influences your decision here, Pat, at all. But uh, we, we got to get Christian a, a tune that isn't uh, USA on repeat. We got to do something better than that. Well, we, we could go for Young American by or Young Americans uh, by um, David Bay. Uh, oh, he's a Young American. Young American. Yeah, okay, it works, man. Um, there was a band called Deutsche Amerikanische Freundschaft, who were a, a German, French, a German, US collaboration kind of thing, and they were really good. But if you have a look at some of their twelve-inch singles, some of which I bought back in the day, and um, sadly, um, I can't really even mention any of them at this time because of the children listening. So, <laughs> if you know, there was a brilliant track called I don't know, do you know the song called The American by Simple Minds? Go and listen to it. It's a cracker, right? Really early, simple, nice song. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite like going down the American route. It's okay. But young American, he's good. I'll do it. All right. This one, easier for you, I think. Billy Gilmore. Oh, right. Well, see, Billy is young and he's Scottish. Now, many, many years ago, there was a Scottish record label. Uh, the Sound of Young Scotland, it was called. There was lots of bands on it, like Orange Juice and you know, really cool bands at the time. Um, and one of them on it was a band called The Bluebells, and they had a track called Young at Heart. Now, they were very Scottish, great tune, Young at Heart, Billy Gilmore, Glasgow, you name it. Man, can lose, that's the thing. <laughs> All right, well, what about young Fakayo Tomori? What, what would you assign to him? Uh, I was right, okay, let's go very old school in this. I mean, seriously old school in this. Um, can I test you again, any of you? Oh, yeah. No expectations. Yeah. <laughs> the artist Irma Thomas, no? All right, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> Covered no. a few years later by the Rolling Stones, um, a song called Time's On My Side. And it's an absolute cracker of a song. Um, so Tomori's had to wait a wee bit, and he's come in, and he's come out, but uh, time is on my side. And by the way, forget anything else. It's a great tune, man. <laughs> Irma Thomas's version, that's the one. Northern Soul, great stuff. Okay. Uh, Mason Mount, young English star, um, Frank Lampard, uh, copy and paste. Yeah. W- what do we have for Mason? Because we got to get him something 
If he's going to start every game in five different positions, we got to get him something. Well, right? uh, the reason why I'm good, see, we're thinking about him. When you ask me, my my stuff's going to be Utrecht. It's going to be out there. It's going to be left field, right? That's my musical taste. It's about like that. And I'm, I'm giving you stuff from all over the world. <laughs> There's a Swedish band called The Concretes, right? And they have a song called The Chosen One, which is a really cool song. It's a single. It's an absolute cracker. Uh, you'd like it. You know, nice tune and all that sort of thing. But The Chosen One, because Mason's one of those guys. It's like the manager's pet, like the manager's son. And every team's got one, right? One of my best friends is a guy called Brian McClare. He used to play for Manchester United. And everybody used to just call him the manager's son. Like, it's <laughs> Sir Alec Ferguson's son, the gaffer's boy, as they said, right? And both of them were Scottish. When I was at Chelsea, I used to get it. I was John Neal's son because the, the manager loved me. And there was one game, particular game, we played against Norwich away. And I got ill the night before going for a curry with a, a DJ called John Peel and couldn't play in this game away at Norwich. And we drew nil nil, And the manager after the game said that they'd missed me. That, that was the reason why we didn't win. And Colin Pates, our captain, came up and said, bleeding hell, you get man of the match even when you're not there, you get. <laughs> 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 so I was the manager's pet, right? You are the chosen one. So, Bell, so there's no doubt in my mind that Mason Mount is the chosen one, right? So the concrete's <laughs> the chosen one. That's quite complicated to get that all together there, but I like that, it. Like Mason's the chosen one. No, that's good. Uh, Jorginho, interesting. You've got Brazilian-Italian mix there as well, plus his intricate tiki-taka-style passing. Right, okay. Then. So everyone takes a different position with them. I'm going to be brutal a bit about it. Um, and I'm going to go northern, Manchester this time. Uh, Last year, last season, not this season, a lot of people had a dig on. In the midst of all, I'm sure on our program, when I did this before, I told you how much I loved them, right? And I wasn't having it with the Chelsea fans who wasn't. They weren't giving them it. They were slaughtering them in some games. I'm going, he's brilliant. He's yeah. really brilliant. You don't get it. He's brilliant. So he now knows that the Chelsea fans love him and they, they get it. And yes, he's playing a bit better as well. But he was playing, I think, much better then. So it's got to be Oasis and don't look back in anger. Don't get angry, <laughs> don't get angry with Chelsea fans, Jorginho. They didn't, they understand now, they get it now. So I don't think he is looking back in anger. I think he's positive and going ahead with it. So that's my Jorginho one. I love it. Probably could be a song for a lot of players who are reflecting upon how their fans feel from match to match. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, so what about the yeah, Reese James? There's, there's, I think, a lot of different ways you could go with this. So I'm interested to see where you land. Right. Slightly embarrassingly, I'm going to go very 80s with this one. And uh, around the countries, different country, Norway, randomly, um, there was a band called Aha. Um, mm-hmm. And they had a song called Take On Me. And uh, many people might remember it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. So he just has to say, take, take me on. And you're not bad. <laughs> you're not bad. So <laughs> that's it. Nobody gets by him. So... It's a, it's a dreadful one, but uh-huh. you just like, come on, bring it. Let's yeah, see what you got. <laughs> it works for him. Um, do you know any Croatian bands for, for Mateo Kovacic? Um, let's, let's I had one or two, but they didn't fit particularly well. Um, he's another one where we, we, we're kind of liking him more and more and more. So it's, there's, there's yeah. a track that was in the back of my head called Keep On Keeping On. Um, is it Curtis Mayfield originally done a version of it? But it was in a, an old one called, I'm trying to say, I've wrote it down. And it was an old Northern Soul one by N.F. Porter. It's a brilliant 
song. So keep on keeping on. It's not a very well-known one. Every track can't be a really well-known one, but we've stuck with him and he's stuck with us and I think we're getting the benefit of that. So that's keep on keeping on. Love it. Dan, last one. All right. So Kurt Happy Zuma, he's back at Chelsea, returned from Everton, getting to the side. Is there a song that we could give for him? Right. I'm going to give you a def- I don't even know the artist, right? And oh, I should actually go and try and look it up just now. I can't. There was a song, and I hated it with a passion called Zoom. Um, and it was in this, it was one of those. I'm trying to think, explain the, the type of music it was. It was certainly an American band, and it was a kind of kind of Midwest rocky kind of Zoom. Uh, it was awful. It was, but it, but it's Zuma. It's Zoom. It's it got a lot like so. I'm somebody's going to look that up. I should look that up just now. Like when we're when you're doing this, I'm going to look that up. How does that work? <laughs> Brandon, Brandon just wrote Chumbawamba tub thumping in the script. <laughs> you can go, you can go a number of different ways um, <laughs> on that one, but I'm typing this in just now. You got, you got the whole, you know, motivation. I get knocked down, I get up again, but then they talk about having the lager drink, right. a cider drink. <laughs> can, can I Whiskey very drink. quickly and very, very embarrassingly, quite quickly change that and not use them? Because I've just yes. looked up the name of yes. the band. <laughs> <laughs> he won't want to go with Fat Larry's band, will he? <laughs> <laughs> no footballer wants to be called Fat. He's not. No. Um, Kurt will have to be Zoom. Um, but to be honest, it's I'm, every time you go to a club, you end up getting a song about you. Usually, sometimes it takes a while. I never had particularly good ones. They all did the same kind of really old songs that had done with other people and just stuck my name on them. So I never had any particularly good ones. So uh, I was slightly jealous of that over the years. Well, don't worry. As long as all these are on Spotify, we'll create a nice little playlist on there and share it out so you guys can <laughs> yeah. all, and we can add to it. This can be, you know, kind of a an update, recurring theme. Um, but I love it. A little bit of music inspiration. I had millions more, by the way. I, like, Aspilicueta, there's a great song by Danny Wilson called Dave. Davey, that's a cracker. I mean, we call him Dave, so it's Davey. It's a cracker. Anyway, another time. I was thinking about maybe for Zuma because he's a, a big a big guy. What about Lean On Me by Bill Withers? Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Man Mountain, there's millions of ways you could go. Yeah, you were saying, sorry about that, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously you said you didn't, you didn't get a good song, which, you know, sorry from Chelsea No, they were okay. They were good. They were just... They were just <laughs> Remodeled from elsewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. It, what What would be the song that you would use to describe you and kind of your your playing? Uh, I'd go Beach Boys. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> love I it. Just, love it. I just loved. You know, I, I was quite. My musical tastes were quite dour back then. Very joy division. Very dark. Very kind of northern. But when I played football, it was all about fun, 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 and. Uh, it's a great track apart from anything else. So uh, yeah, go for that. Awesome. Well, as always, Pat, it's been a blast. Thanks for hanging out with us. And and hopefully we want you to, you and the family to stay safe and healthy during this time. And when the football comes back, we know that, uh, well, we'll have something to look forward to on the weekends. But until then, we appreciate you kind of giving us some t- something to pass the time with. And thank you so much. And I made demand to come back on about November time. 
um, because I've my book's finished. I've written the book and uh, yeah, tell us about it. Oh, don't worry, I'll bore you about it next time. But Perfect. all the madness and the stupidness of uh, a life in football from an outsider's perspective, which I was an outsider, I've stuck it all in one book. Or this is part one. There's part. There's a part two that comes out, which I've started writing during during lockdown. Um, <laughs> lots of in stuff about Chelsea, which no one's ever heard before. So. I will bore you with that next time. We can't wait. Absolutely. Story time with Pat. Cannot wait. (laughs) Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much. Dan, Nick, as always, gentlemen, is a blast. Listeners, you've got a lot to react to, so make sure uh, you get in. Tell us what you thought of it. But as always, Chelsea fans, until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.